Good evening, everybody. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Wherever you may be, this is Atlanta Discuss. I'm still your boy. I'm your host. My name remains Ade Balogu. Welcome to Atlanta Discuss. Today we have an extraordinary and fantastic guest. We have with us Pastor Anthony Odugua. Welcome, Pastor. Thank you, Brother Ade Olubalogu. Thank, Thank you, you sir. Being here tonight. Okay, sir. Well, we're also excited to hear you and to our listeners everywhere you may be. Pastor Anthony is a pastor in charge of Redeemed Christian Church of God. That's the RCCG Mount Zion in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a pastor's pastor, mentor's mentor, erudite scholar, and he is doing a lot in Atlanta. There's nobody that doesn't know him in Georgia. So today we're going to be talking about what the role, the role of the church in governance and politics. But as you all know, at Atlanta Discourse, we embrace all facets of humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with a lot of bad news. We give a voice to the unheard always. We balance the information equation. We search and discuss the facts wherever I lead. We combine the best of the human race to get the best out of mankind. We serve as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. We embrace business, art, sport, IT, health, history, and faith-based issues. We don't shy away from the fact. Like I said earlier on, we have Pastor Anthony. He's my father in the Lord. I'm happy to say that. And we're going to have a very great time listening to him. So, Pastor, yes. how should a Christian view politics? Ah, thank you so much, sir. Uh, first of all, what is politics? Uh, the way in which society organizes itself. Politics is the way in which government allocates resources, the decision of society, and also how power is used. And so when we look at Christian view of politics, Christians are on earth to dwell, to take charge, and to take over. Uh, actually, the word of God says in Psalm 115, verse 16, it says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. And so because God has commanded Christians to be here on earth, to dominate, to do great things here, then I think politics to a Christian is something to be looked into. And so we as Christians have been made to be kings and priests here. We are kings. We rule and reign. And we are priests. We decree the will of God to come to pass here on earth. So I want to say that we as Christians, because we are reigning here, God has given us the earth to dominate. We are supposed to be in charge of education. We are supposed to be in charge of the marketplace. Christians are supposed to be in charge of information, government, arts, business, and everything that has to do with the earth where we live. And so God has given us this opportunity. We must take advantage of it. And so since politics is the way that the society is wrong. Decisions that are made, organized, 
to keep the earth in form and shape. I believe that Christians, we need to be in charge of what is happening here on earth. And so I want to say that to all Christians, politics is something that we have to be involved in. If indeed God has given us the earth to dominate over, then we must be in charge of all that God has created. And I want to also say, because I said earlier on that we are kings and priests as Christians, the king has the legal power to declare and legislate here on earth. And the priest is here to decree the will of God to come to pass here on earth. So I believe every child of God, every Christian should be in politics. You must be a decision maker. You must be in charge of organizing the society. You must make things happen that will bring glory to the name of the Lord our God. Thank you, sir. Amen. Yes. I love I love that. I love that answer. It was uh, it was all encompassing. Because my second question was actually going to be how should they get involved? I'm still going to allow you to talk about that because from what you said clearly, Christians should not ignore what is happening in their society since the Bible encourages it from all you've said. So how should they be involved? Should it just be community level, low level, or they should just aim for the highest office? or organize themselves. Can you be more specific, sir, on how yeah. they should get involved, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, so, like I said earlier on, the purpose of a king is to take charge. And a Christian as a king is called into a kingdom here on earth to legislate, to regulate, to mandate, and to enforce. And also to establish that which has been instituted by God. And because we are priests unto God, even in the place of prayer spiritually, we must decree everything that we are regulating to come to pass so that they can all give glory to God. And so as people that God has placed there on earth, we are supposed to build so that the earth we have peace. We are supposed to be in leadership in all aspects of life because business, relational influences, both within the family, within the church, within government, in the marketplace, all these things comes together to dictate and determine what the earth looks like. Now, I want to say this, that most of the time, or generally, even as a Christian, when you are talking politics or you are going to politics, even fellow Christians will begin to criticize you because they felt that politics is only meant for those who are not Christians. But at the same time, we stay in churches and we pray so that things can go well in our communities, so that things can go well in our societies, so that things can go well in families and in all aspects of life. If you are praying, but not participating, you are actually not doing the will of God. Because the Bible says that when the righteous are in authority, people rejoice. So I want to 
lend my voice to the fact that Christians ought to be participants in politics. They must be involved in various aspects of the lives of their communities and the society in general. So if we don't participate, we have no reason to complain. We cannot only just be praying and not take active part in politics. Well, many Christians are afraid of persecution uh, because I'm dealing with those who do not know God. It is because we have left that which God has committed into our hands, into the hands of those who do not know God, because we have stayed back. That is why the work that God has committed into our hands have been handed over into the hands of those who don't know God. And when those, those who don't know God, when they are in charge, of course, they will be doing things, legislating, putting policies in place that will not favor us as children of God. And then uh, how should we be involved practically? I want to say that in all aspects of government, whether local government, state, at the, at the federal level, let us look at the areas that God has given us grace and strength and that we are qualified to participate at. Let us go there and make a change. Let us go there and make a difference. And maybe you are called as a Christian to be a sponsor of someone that has the strength to do politics. Why don't you encourage your brother, encourage your sister? Let many Christians go into politics and we see that things will change for the best in the world in which we are today. As far as persecution is concerned, we cannot rule it out, even when you are in politics. In the days of Daniel, the Babylonian rulers waged a war against Daniel because he was doing everything according to the dictates and the will of God. But despite all the persecutions against him and the other three Hebrew boys, at the end of it all, God cared for them. God granted them victory and they became great in the land. So I believe that God will care for us. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. Let's do that with God. Hands. Let's participate at different levels in our society to make things better. And I know that the grace of God is actually available unto us. All we need to do is to step out in faith. The Lord will help us. Amen. Man, thank you very much, sir. That was awesome. If you are still listening, we have Pastor Antonio Dugo as the pastor of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Manzion Parish in Lake City in Atlanta, Georgia. We are talking about the role of the church in governance and politics. And he's been telling us Christians have to be involved in politics. Abdicating that responsibility won't give you a good reason to criticize when you are not involved. He has biblically supported it with scriptures. It is part of the role of a Christian because politics itself is a creation of God. That is creation of wealth, creation of livelihood, creation of infrastructure for the human race. And human race is a creation of God. So every Christian has to participate. So 
At Atlanta Discuss, the first quarter of this year, we're bringing in people that know, people of high resource, people of intellectual repute, men of faith that, that are worth their salt. And we have here today, Pastor Antonio Dugua, and we've been talking to him. So the next question we're going to ask him right now is that, as a Christian leader, which you are, highly revered one for that matter, highly respected, not just in Georgia, where you're domiciled, in the United States and in Nigeria and so, so many parts of Africa, should the church now, this is a very straightforward one, especially because of your lineage, because I know you are, you are from Nigeria. So should the church confront or dialogue with government when it airs? For example, if we look at what's happening, even in some part of America and Africa, government, they misapply resources, embezzlement, they ill-treat people, they make life unbearable, a lot of which, it, which are concurrent to the African culture and the African continent. So what should people do, especially those of us of Christian faith, especially leaders like you, should their effort to assuage the people or should they just confront government? Because people always say that men of God, they don't speak truth to power. What should be the action, sir? Thank you so much. Um, I want to say that the first priority of the church is actually to pray for those who are in authority. We need to know also that the devil is also contesting for this earth that God has handed over to us. God wanted us to take over, but also we have an enemy that have come to the earth to struggle with us, to try to take away our authority from us. Revelation chapter 12, verse 12 says, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Okay, we know the devil is here, and we know not everyone on earth is for God. So now when they not doing it right, what should the church do? The church should pray first. But while we are praying, I believe also that God has strategically placed some people in the church in different governments of the world. I believe the church also should have an agenda to help the government to come out of trouble. The church should not compromise because of the fear of the unknown, because of the fear of those who are in power. And that is why I said earlier on that the first priority of the church is to pray for the government in authority. Prayer is powerful. Prayers have made empires to rise. Prayers have made empires to fall. Prayers have take, taken people out of power and authority in certain parts of the world. Because if they become so notorious that the people are suffering, people will cry unto God like the children of Israel cried unto God in their days. And God acting unto them. And I believe that God has been acting to the prayers of Christians all over the world. And that is why sometimes some governments are changed. Some people lose power. 
when they are so power drunk and they think that God is of no consequence in the land. So I want to say that there is nothing bad in, in the church dialoguing with the government to help them out. In the days of old, when kings, those who are like presidents of nations, when they want to take decisions, they call the prophet of God. They call those that they know speaks to God and can hear from God. And so we are the ones that are prophets in the land today as children of God. And I believe that even when leaders are in, in trouble, they call on the church to pray. First Timothy 2.1 says, I heard you first of all that request prayers. Intercession, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases our God and Savior, who wants all men to come to a knowledge of the truth. I want us to know that as we pray for the authority, we need to expose the evil going on in our society. And we need to do it like in the days of Esther, not fearing death, not fearing trouble, not fearing persecution. But because we know that righteousness promotes a nation, but sin is terrible and it brings nations down. And so if we don't speak out, God will hold us accountable as a church because generations coming, even after us, we ask us, what have we done? But in order for us to be able to give an account before our God, at the end of the day, we must do the right thing. We should make ourselves available to the authority to dialogue with them. But in case where the authority is not ready to take the advice of the church, we have a weapon that can pull down strongholds and demolish every notorious government that exists here on earth, and that is prayer. And I believe that if we play our part, if we pray and make ourselves available, God will through us do great and mighty things in this generation. So dialoguing with government is not a sin, but compromising with government is a sin. And I want us to know that God will hold such leaders accountable because it's only the word of God that abided forever. Every other thing that we gain here on earth, they are ephemeral. They are temporary. But we need to leave a legacy of righteousness. An uncompromising legacy. We need to leave it so that the generation coming after us can call us blessed. And we need to rise up like the saints of old and say, give me my nation or I die. If in the course of asking for this we die, we know that the people coming 
will benefit from all that we have done. But if we compromise, may the next generation not cause us. In Jesus' name, thank you so much. May I say a very big amen to that. I love that. That's from the mentors, mentor, the pastors, pastor, pastor Antonio Dugo. That was, I love that. You know, I love the way you started when we talk about how, how should a Christian view politics. Then we got to how should they be involved. Now, now as, as a Christian leader, should the church confront or dialogue with government? So even based on the sequences, sequence of your answer, it is clear that if we abdicate our responsibility, that's when we even have the bad leaders in the first instance. So I, I really I really like that. So, but I've seen some statistics in recent times, some very worrying statistics, you know, that shows that the Islamic religion is growing faster in North America uh, than than any other part of the world. And I mean, what some of the statistics I've read says that they, they are going to prisons, they are giving succor to to prisoners. You know, so my question to you in this regard is that will will Christians not respond to the upsurge in in, in Muslims in North America? Should there not be a reaction of some sort? Uh, thank you so much. Um, sometimes my heart palpitates when I come across some statistics myself or when I see some things that is happening real time in our society today as per Christianity and Islam. But I want to say that uh, there are two major problems that I've seen that is making this to happen. Number one problem is the church. Number two problem is the community. Uh, there was a time a few years ago uh, at a red light, uh, a young man, you know, in the midst of uh, a couple of them came to sell a certain newspaper to me and while I was talking to him I realized that he came from the nation of Islam so he was trying to sell their information booklet and so I took a tract I tried to give him he said well there is nothing he's, a, he's an African-American brother he said there is nothing in this tract that I don't know because my father happens to be a pastor Wow. What? He said, he said my, my father is a, is a pastor currently as I'm talking to you. I said, but are you a Christian? He said, no, I'm a Muslim. I said, why? He told me, he said, when he entered trouble, he was locked up in jail. He said his father, mother abandoned him. Then, the people that actually came to his rescue were the people in the nation of Islam that comes to the prison, to the jail, to preach to them. And he said that immediately he came out. His father's church, people in the church were running away from him. They don't want to have anything to do with him. And so he had to run back to the nation of Islam that they helped to rehabilitate him, to get him a place to stay, and 
they are trying to retrain him to go back into society. He said, brother, if it were to be you, where will you go? People that are running away from you or people that are embracing you. And that is why I said the church is a problem. So the church should not run away from those who are the helpless in the society. We should express the love of Christ irrespective of the situation or circumstance of an individual because Christ came for all and it is the desire of our God that no one should perish but that everyone should have everlasting life. So I pray that God will open the eyes of the church that they will not throw away their own into the hands or the camps of the enemies. Number two, I said the problem is also with the community. Uh, I want to say this, that the community is not helping. Imagine on Sunday morning when everyone ought to be in church, you will see soccer field full. You will see people in places where they ought not to be on Sunday mornings. And so you now wonder when these kids grow up, do you want them to love church? Do you want them to embrace Christianity when they already have an alternative as they are growing up? I also want to say that when a young man and a young lady who does not care for God raise children, their children will not care for God except for the mercies of God as they grow up. So, and I want to say that while we are looking the other side, Islam is ready at all costs to win those that we abandon. And so I want to appeal to parents, I want to appeal to Christians in our generation. Are you making Christianity attractive to your children? Are you making Christianity attractive to younger generation? I pray that the Almighty God will help us in Jesus' name. But I want to also say this. Uh, another thing also that makes Islam to look as if it's overtaking Christianity is because in Christianity, in certain parts of the world, when you talk to people, in fact, everywhere in the world, when Christians try to talk to people, they appeal to them. They don't force them to take over the religion. But sometimes in Islam, in certain parts of the world, it's either you take Islam or you die. But I want to say that in North America, we are kind of neglecting God. We are forgetting about God. And we are taking on the alternative, which is pleasure. But the Bible says that woe unto those who are at ease in Zion. This is a time for us to rise up, fight the cause of the gospel, make Christ known in our communities, to our families, in the marketplace, so that God can reign. Thank you so much. That was, that was extraordinary. I mean, I'm sure everybody listening will be blessed directly and indirectly. I just want to add that another 
problem we have is that even if you look at all producing nations, for example, you discover that the all producing countries that are of a uh, Muslim uh, origin, they are more welfareist in nature, you know, to their people. If you look at most of the Christian oil producing countries, they are being managed by despots that show very little welfare standard, infrastructural standard. Everybody knows what's happening in Dubai today is an Islamic country, Saudi Arabia. Even the best airlines now are from Islamic nation. So it goes back to what you said, Sada. Christians should get involved in politics, leave the standard, live by example, because nobody will want to be a Christian if they don't see Christian leaders doing the right thing. Mm. And to, to also add to it, you, you like you rightly said, we should not condemn people for going to prison. You know, we should not, uh, because we are affluent and successful, because I know in Atlanta, some very well-to-do IT professionals, medical professionals, they come to Riverdale, a part of uh, in Clayton County every Sunday. They share food, money, and they even teach the people that do not the well, they, those are the, the downtrodden, so to say. They empower them, they teach them. And uh, I think Christian brothers and sisters, wherever they might be, should also embrace that because evangelism comes in so many ways. And I think it is important to add that your church, that's the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Manzai, is doing a lot in that regard. I know you have the place of Hope Food Bank that gives a share food to people every Saturday. I mean, for people in Moro Lake City and environment, people come from far and near. You know, that, that in my opinion, is a lot of evangelism. God bless you. I also know you have the place of Hope Clinic for people that reaches out to people. Anybody can come there and be blessed. So that, I think, all churches and Christians should emulate. That is direct and indirect way of evangelism. So God bless you very much for that. So like I said earlier on, we are talking to Pastor Antonio Dugua, who's the pastor of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Lake City, Georgia. It's a very, very big uh, church. Everybody knows them. They do a lot of evangelism. They have a Spanish church. They have a youth church. They have a... A multicultural church it's, it's all encompassing it's not uh, a church where you're not welcome so pastor anthony we are impressed with what your church is doing especially breeding good leaders because i know that's one of the focal points of your leadership you like to breed leaders people that will serve the community productively especially with your youth church i know you're doing a lot in that regard so i also know that you are looking at opening a vietnamese church so that also shows that your expansion, you, you're not just saying it, you are, uh, you know, you are putting action to it, which is which is most extraordinary. So I'll ask you one more question before I release you today. I know you're a very busy man. Can you tell our listeners, you know, because I know you're a role model. Like I said, you're a pastor's pastor, you're a mentor's mentor. Can you tell our listener how you got your calling? Oh, uh, thank you so much, sir. Uh... I want to thank God for the impact that um, uh, the colleges I attended back in Africa had on my life uh, when I gave my life to Jesus. And because of the teachings that I was exposed to, uh, I love to be a missionary. That was my desire, life to Christ. And so when uh, this opportunity came for me to come to North America, I uh, embraced it, uh, but before coming over here, I was already pastoring a, a church of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, one of the churches in Lagos. Uh, so when I got here, I uh, began to pray, and uh, 
eventually God uh, took me to uh, a, a, one of the uh, foundation uh, churches of the Redeemed Christian Church of God in Atlanta here. And I became a church planter, uh, moving from one place to another uh, to, to set up churches. But I want to thank God because God uh, gave me the grace. And I love it so much because when I see souls saved, when I see uh, those who do not know the Lord coming to the Lord, it makes me bad and it makes me fulfilled. And so I kept uh, trusting the Lord and praying that God should lead me into a place where the Lord will use me to be able to reach many souls for him. And that was why when we started the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Manzion Parish, our vision is reaching the world and equipping the saints. And, and thank God that today, uh, I believe that even without traveling to different nations of the world, we have many nations surrounding us. And that's why we have uh, English service, we have Hispanic service, we have French service, and we are looking to having Vietnamese uh, service so that when people are impacted from different nations, God can use them to go out, go back to their people, to reach many of their people for the Lord. So uh, I want to say that uh, committing one's life to the Lord at the onset uh, has really helped me to be able to discover what my calling in God is. I, like I said earlier on, I love missionary work. I love going to places where I will have to either learn language or where I will have, have to learn new things or relate to people that I've, I'm not used to relating with. That has been part of my passion. While I was back in Nigeria, in Lagos, uh, all the river Rhine areas, uh, we used to go with my church to do uh, weekend uh, outreach. Uh, even by the beach where we have to take, I mean, uh, go on the waters for about one hour, two hours. We go and, you know, put palm fronds. You know, I just love taking risks for the Lord because I know that if in the course of taking this risk, I die, I know that uh, at least I will leave a legacy uh, for the lives that I've reached. And also I know that I will not lose my reward in heaven. So I want to thank God for how far he has taken me. But I know that there are still many more grounds to cover. And I know with the great men and women of God, children of God, uh, that we are laboring, co-laboring together, we'll be able to reach many souls for the Lord around the world. Thank you awesome. so much for asking me this. Awesome, awesome. You heard from Pastor Tony. If you want something done, do it yourself. You have to action it. You have to walk the talk. That is practical Christianity. Allah, Pastor Tony Odugua. If you want to link up with Mount Zion on YouTube, they are there. They have a channel there. RCCT Mount Zion. Just put Lake City. You see it is straightforward. Facebook, Instagram, they're there. I'm sure on this, so if you go on Anchor or Spotify, all the links for Mount Zion, we're going to attach you to this particular podcast and episode. It has been an awesome moment. Personally, I'm blessed. I mean, I'm encouraged to do more. So this is Pastor Tony. Pastor Tony, thank you so much for coming to Atlanta Discourse. Thank you, sir. We'll, we'll 
will never hesitate to bring you back again because you're a man of many parts. You, you, you raise leaders every day and uh, we, we are also proud of you, you know, because you always bless everybody. Yeah, one man, I always say that anybody that comes, that meets you, always get blessed one way or the other. So at Atlanta Discourse, we say thank you for creating time to join us. Sir. Thank you so much, sir, for okay. being tonight. God bless you. And- God bless you. Your so to our listeners, that's Pastor Anthony, you know, is, is a great man, erudite scholar, real man of God, practical with his word. He says it, he does it, he's evangelizing with a lot of action, expansionist ambition, creating leaders. As you all know, at Atlantic Discourse, we embrace all facets of humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with a lot of very bad news. We give a voice to the unheard, we balance the information equation, research and discuss the facts wherever it leads to, combining the best of the human race to get the best out of mankind. We serve as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. We embrace business, art, sport, IT, health, history and faith-based issues. We don't shy away from the fire. So once again, Pastor Tony, thank you for coming to Atlanta Discourse. Thank you so much. God bless you. That's our bit for this week. See you next week. Goodbye, everybody. God bless you. Bye.